These are the blokes. It's a phone call, and they're there tomorrow. Welcome to the podcast where we track down Australian war veterans, have a chat with them, and hear their stories. I'm Alex Lloyd, and this is Life on the Line. Adversity has an effect of bonding people together. Tested our metal as a team. They held that man virtually prisoner. Terrible, terrible injustice. Alert, surface alert. Riding out a typhoon in a four and a half thousand ton destroyer. We really feared for our lives. So we got back and we did a march, and I guess that's the memory you hold was all these people booing and hissing as you went did the march. stations I went to that turret. War itself is horrific. It's a horror story. It should never be dressed up as if it's something glorious. Welcome to Life on the Sea a special spin-off mini-series of Life on the Line podcast. This mini-series profiles nine veterans of the Royal Australian Navy who served in either the Korean War or the Vietnam War. This is Episode 7, Reflections of Life on the Sea. To start, I asked some of the veterans for a bit more information about the HMAS Sydney and Vietnam Logistical Support Vessels Association and their home, the Frankston Naval Memorial Club. First up is Mark Kinder. It's funny, you know, as you get older, I didn't have anything to do with Navy or uh, military uh, all the way through until about 1997 when my dad started to really feel uh, his problems, his medical problems and that. And I found dad's medals and uh, that were never mounted. He had never marched before in, in the city and neither had I. I found my medals and I got them all cleaned up and got dad's mounted and my father and I went for the march in 1997 down Swanson Street, and that was the last, first and last time I marched with Dad. A couple of years went by, and then I had to help out my mother and father in terms of their life down here. They were getting very, very sick, and they needed a hand. So I came down from Melbourne, sold the house in Glen Iris, came down to a place called Baxter down here and helped my mother and father into the old folks' home and uh, realised that I'd better do something uh something constructive now that I'd sort of semi-retired and were looking after my mother and father. So I uh, found my way around to the Frankston Naval Memorial Club and, of course, the Frankston RSL. Um, became the uh, Vice President of Vietnam Veterans for about six years. Worked here as uh, the Frankston Naval Memorial Club as uh, Secretary for about four. Did a lot of uh, work getting uh, funds to put extensions on this, uh, this wonderful club that we've got in Frankston and uh, got actively involved in the veteran community, basically to uh, keep myself busy. But uh, I really found that uh, I had a knack for it. And um, my time as the international training officer in Maine Nicholas uh, for 15 years helped me with my interaction with people. I found a lot of skills that, that I was able to pull out of my toolbox and clean the rust off and uh, be able to go back into the community and help my fellow veteran, I tell you what, that's a that's a great way of healing too, helping others who uh, maybe can't help themselves and you're maybe a little bit better physically and possibly mentally than they are and you're able to you're able to get them through certain areas. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling to know that somebody's had uh, a win or got extra benefits uh, to see their faces. It's um, it's wonderful to help the families out at that level. Well, I think it's wonderful the amount you give back to your comrades and the energy you have to assist them and look after them. Thank you. And Mark, we're in the Frankston Naval Memorial Club now, and it's an absolutely unique 
construction, you've got this fantastic setup here, which I don't think is like any other in Australia that I've heard of. Can you describe the club's facilities, its members, and how it all came to be? Sure, sure. And you're right in when you say it's unique. Uh, it is unique in Australia. We own our own premises. Um, it's basically uh, two acres here, I think we've got, and it was built by uh, sailors as well, with the prime objective is to, uh, as an ex-servicemen's organisation, to have a place where sailors could go, talk about their stories and uh, have a place for their uh, families and their children to have Christmas parties, so on and so forth. This culminated in a couple of very smart people back in 1963 to start the Frankston Naval Memorial Club. Suffice to say over the years, there's, a, there's been a fire and there's been all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, what we did, we rebuilt and uh, we've got this amazing club now, which is affiliated with the Frankston subsection of the Vietnam veterans, the Royal Naval Association, which is the British guys. We have the TPI Association under our roof as well for the uh, the older veterans. We have uh, the HMS Ganges Association, which is sort of like HMAS Cerberus was to our recruits, but this is British. So all in all, we've got under our, under our wing uh, five or six different uh, arms of um, military, if you like, and uh, we look after things like their pensions and send them to uh, pension advocates and uh, offer all sorts of advice, but not purely out of this this club. We know where to send them. If you like, this club is sort of like a hub of a wheel, and uh, we know where Legacy is, and we know where the RSL is, and we know where all these people are. If we've got a problem with one of our persons or they need help, we know exactly where to send them. We're uh, sort of like a Melway, if you like, a Google, and uh, we enjoy that, being able to uh, help people out. War Widows, uh, what we help out as well. So it's a very important function that um, happens here at the, uh, the Frankston Naval Memorial Club, but nobody outside really knows about it. But we're happy with that. We just we just continue doing our own thing and uh, helping people in the veteran community. And uh, it's, it's a good thing for us to do personally. Um, it's a very good thing for me and uh, it's a good thing for uh, the others who are tied in with it. And it's a great homely comfortable space for your members you're not surrounded by you know the pokies or members of the public coming in for a quick pub dinner or something this is your private premises it's your yes entirely ours owned and operated and run by sailors you come down here on thursday morning at seven o'clock you'll find myself and about five or six other guys on ride on mowers and whippers snippers and you know come rain hail or shine you know we were out there last thursday for instance and it was uh it was very very wet we love to keep these premises at a standard where it's uh almost anal military <laughs> um that's the way we are that's the way we're trained that's the way we are and that's uh that's the ownership we have over this place we we love it and we love it looking spick and span all the time we know it performs a very, very good uh, service for the veteran community down here. We're very proud of what we do. Next is the association's president, Dr. John Carroll. And if you weren't busy enough, John, you're also president of the HMAS Sydney and VLSV Association. That's right. I've always been involved with the Sydney Association since its forming in 1984, 85. Always in, in touch with the uh, with the prime mover behind it, which was Fred McLeod Dryden. Fred was a policeman. Fred was one of the 16-year-olds that had served on Sydney at the same time as me. We met up in the latter part of 1982, and I said, suggested to Fred that the only way we were going to get anywhere for recognition and for uh, entitlements was to form an association. Fred was the prime mover. I used to sit alongside of him and give him a bit of a nudge every so often. He was uh, a big-hearted guy who uh, a lot of people looked up to, but he was get a bit gobsmacked in front of politicians and that sort of thing. 
we formed the association. David was David Dwyer was one of the first secretaries. Uh, when David wasn't secretary, I used to be whenever I could fit it in in between my studies. You'd all take the responsibility on when the need arose. That's about it. So the association started with four members. How large is it today? It's got over 400 active members. Uh, We've got over 600 on our books. Uh, David gives them every opportunity to either come back or stay away. Uh, But with active members, we've got over 400. They make a good party on Anzac Day. They're not as regimented as they used to be, but they uh, they turn up and uh, give a good performance on the day. Remember Stan Goldsmith from episode one, Career? He works at the club today. What's your involvement with the club today? Maintenance. Maintenance, man. <laughs> uh, Still uh, 90. <laughs> yeah, and two months. <laughs> they don't want to give the job to a younger bloke or you enjoy it? Oh, I, I enjoy it. It's, that's what I like doing. But I don't know for how much longer. <laughs> David Dwyer is the association's secretary, although he's held multiple roles over the years. I organise all the social functions which we have here at the club and uh, assistant treasurer, marketing manager, I design memorabilia, which I sell, which you can't get at the the normal shop, such as Glendennings or anything like that. And I sell it on board and the money, I sell it uh, from my office and uh, part-time. And that goes towards um, a running of our association we give a lot of money we help out with the ts training ships cadets and award them we give a, an annual prize to ship division down in um, hms service in recruit school do a lot of these sort of things to try and boost the uh, navy family i'm also the senior navy ma- marshal on anzac day i organize all the naval associations for marching which is a job i really enjoy i'm the navy, one of the navy members of the uh, the anzac day commemorative committee in anzac house Another thing I enjoy, I have a lot of um, to do with other uh, ex-servicemen within that organisation, the RSL. And uh, I just, since I've retired, I don't know where I found the work to do when I was working. You never seem to stop. No, I do about 30 hours a week for various, if you put them all together. Thank goodness for computers. Willie Beatty explained to me the importance of the club. And you're a regular down at the club here. I come every Friday, so I've just joined the club uh, the past two years, yeah, which I've... Uh, Navy club. I was in the Vietnam vets at Frankston and the Army guys are a bit different to the Navy guys and the Navy guys are a bit more half, more cheerful, a bit more merry and, you know, which, uh, which, which is good, really good, yeah. yeah. You, you met Mark, I mean, how can you beat Dags like that? They never change, they never change. No, there's um, quite a lot to say, especially when swapping worries. Oh, God, yeah. they never change these guys. Even Anzac Day, they tell you stories that you've been trying to forget for 50 years. Is that the thing you take most from your time in the Navy, the mateship? Oh, Navy? yes, for sure, yeah, yeah. These are the blokes... It's a phone call, and they're there tomorrow or they're tonight. If you're, you know, you got any problems, you're right. You know, they just they've always got your back, which I think is brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant with these blokes. And uh, as I say, we're getting old now, but we're getting starting to get a bit worried. I got one of the mates with uh, the spestos. He's got the tank nearly ready for the tank, and, and he's still oh, got to go back to Brisbane because you know it's not going to be last long. But no, nah, it's the mateship is just brilliant. It really is. You know, they tell the same stories every year. They say, uh, keep asking Mick, why did we get chased down in Hong Kong that day with all them blokes with the bamboo sticks? And he won't tell me. So I still don't know why I was running to Hong Kong. He'll confess one day. <laughs> so he'll tear one day, 60 years ago, for God's sake. But no, no, it's fun. We have fun with that. I mean, those, these other blokes, when I mean, you can't walk, you carry them out from bar to bar. I mean, if you can't walk, they go and dance. You've got to carry them from next bar to the next bar. I mean, uh, good fan, a lot of fun, a lot of fun, a lot of good memories that way, too. And how do you reflect on your time in the Navy today? Well, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed the Navy. Just so, to the last bit, when it's I lost my dad and uh, found it a bit hard with when I got married. But apart from that, no, no, I thought it was brilliant. So, you know, would recommend it to anybody. Well, 
maybe not at the moment, because I thought it was really good, really. It built you up, built you into a man, I thought. You thought for yourself, you can make decisions, and you look after your mates. So I can't see anything you know, different to that. Jim Dixon did not leave the Navy on the happiest of terms, but he is still proud to have served. After, Jim, such a remarkable life of service and giving back to your country, how do you look back on the whole breadth of your military career today? I look back on it with pride and disappointment. Pride because I I gave everything that I had to that. I think I gave more than I should have at times because, like all men who love their profession, I tended to get the priorities wrong at times. I preached to my officers that the most difficult thing for a, a dedicated professional man to do is to get the balance right between pursuit of his professional goals, pursuit of his family respons- and domestic responsibilities and, re- and getting some recreation and, and leisure for himself. And if you don't have those things in good balance, you know, you, you don't get life in good proportion. I think I devoted more to the service at the expense of my family at times than I should have. But so I look back on it with that mixed feeling, but proud to have served in the uniform for 41 years, and it was a a wonderful experience. John Lord had this to say about his time in uniform. Is there anything else you wanted to share with me about your career, and in particular anything in relation to Vietnam? No, not really, Alex. It's uh, it's been a, a really exciting career, and I'm still excited with the commercial aspects of it, though now I'm out in the commercial world. I've seen the military change over the 36 years I had there, and now adding the 17 on where I've been an external observer. I think the standards of professionalism and the devotion of the young people today are probably uh, equal to perhaps even more so than what we had when I was younger. It's just great meeting the young people which I, who I see quite regularly at different ceremonies around the place. Their enthusiasm, the way they've got their focus on the job. And I really do admire what the Defence Force have been able to do in what I consider really difficult circumstances in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, these types of wars are just so different and the psychological impact on people who are involved in them, I think is probably very, very hard. And to see young people respond to that is good. Stan Goldsmith has fond memories of his service. I enjoyed it. Not so much later on when I was married and had kids, but in the main, I think I enjoyed it. David Dwyer knows the Navy changed him a lot. I totally enjoyed my period in the, in the Navy. It's uh, highlights of my life. It made me made me into a very good manager of uh, time, good manager of men and women. Eye for detail and discipline. Doug Symes Jr. got a lot out of his career. So you look back and you had quite a happy Navy career. Oh, yeah, yeah. How do you look back on it now as how it shaped you as a young man? Oh, well, it was everything. People ask you, uh, how would you have been if you hadn't have done it? Well, you don't know. You probably would have, because of your makeup, your nature, your genes and everything, would have turned out to be the same person. But you would have got there in a different way. Uh, and I feel as though I've got there in a happy way. You know, I've got there in a way that hasn't been hard for me. I've been content with my life. I've been content with the people around me. I enjoyed what I've, I've done. And I'm 71 years of age now. And uh, I look back on all the things I've done. And I don't look back with any trepidation or any hate or fear or anything like that. I just enjoyed what I've done. I've had a really good life, I feel. Mark Kinder has found a new purpose from his experiences in the Navy. Well, I do a lot of welfare work 
basically with the Frankston subsection of the Vietnam veterans and the Frankston Naval Memorial Club here. I've seen a great conversation because I go into schools and do uh, do their Anzac Day services and do some presentations with the, the local schools around here as well. And it's beautiful to see, uh, to see the younger ones treating the veteran with um, respect absolute respect and I tell you what if for a veteran if a veteran really wants to heal maybe the war of the wounds that they've had children are the best uh, the best healers go out and do some welfare work if you are capable of it and try and involve older people and uh, younger people in it and that's that's healthy that is very very healthy for the uh, for the serviceman or woman who's hurting and we'll close out with the reflections of Douglas Symes senior veteran of World War II and Korea so Doug you grew up idolizing your father and then you had your older brother Jack ahead of you as well and, and my sister ran that shop for mum great role models surrounding you and in particular in the military context you had yeah. your father and brother and they were your heroes then you finally get to join the military and you're there for 30 odd years how do you look back on your time in service today? How do you look back on your life in the military after, you know, a childhood of idolization and adoration? Uh, I wouldn't change it for all the tea in China. That was episode seven, Reflections, the final installment of Life on the Sea, a special podcast series of Life on the Line. My warm thanks go to the HMAS Sydney and Vietnam Logistical Support Vessels Association for hosting me at the Frankston Naval Memorial Club. Special recognition must go to President Dr. John Carroll and Secretary David Dwyer for arranging everything. And of course, my warm thanks go to all the guests who came on the podcast to be interviewed and to John Philip Stevenson for his interview with Angus Horden of Thistle Productions in 2012. Life on the Line has one more surprise for our subscribers this year before we finally go on break. Season three will then launch in 2019. Stay tuned. Never miss an episode. www.lifeonthelinepodcast.com and join the conversation on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Life on the Line Podcast and on Twitter at L-O-T-L Pod. Life on the Line is brought to you by Thistle Productions. Artwork by Big Cat Design. Music by Dan Van Werkhoven. Thanks for listening. And lest we forget. Mm-hmm.